my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the, mash. He did the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. Brandon, I know this is Halloween, but are you eating Halloween candy right now? I sure am. <laughs> Brought to you by the candy bar Twix. Well, Twix no, is, I, is my third favorite candy bar for sure. Twix is my what's number your one. First one. Oh, number Twix is one? my number one. So wait, Jerry, what's your what's your go to candy? Oh man, you guys are gonna make fun of me because of ET man Reese's Pieces. Man. Oh, okay. Can, so eat that my death. close number two is peanut butter M and M's. What, what my favorite? Would you ask asking my favorite, Jeremiah? Hey, what's your What's your favorite my candy? Favorite candy is a York peppermint patty. Of course, you would be a York peppermint patty. Oh because there is no more refined and intellectual candy. Yeah, I mean, he's going like a commercial right now. Patty. Although I do love myself a Junior Mint. I, a Junior Mint is like a poor man's York peppermint patty. Are you from the nineteen fifties? I mean, what's that? And I love candy Yes, he is. Yeah. He is. He, he is from is. the nineteen fifties. Stay out of stay out of my candy selection. Stay out of my movie selection. I like what I like. And with that, welcome to a special classic episode of Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast, where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies from our pri- private collections, and one of us gets risen from the dead to try to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my name is Sean, and with me, as always, paddles in hand, are Jeremiah. It's pronounced Frankenstein. <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. Grab your torches because we're going to find out that it's not actually Igor, but it's Fritz. <laughs> I was wondering what, what happened then. I was I wondering about that. I've got the answer because I was pissed. I was so pissed. I'm so pissed about this movie. So, anyway. Hun- is, this, is this the Hunchback of Notre Dame or what was that? Uh, Eddie, was go. He, I, I, I bitch no had idea. it coming, dude. Yeah, be he nice. Did. He had he a physical whip- deformity. <laughs> okay. Before we dive into season four of our podcast with a new format and many more of our favorite films, we're going to bring you a new release as we finish out 2022. Uh, so come January, the host will be diving into a new selection of hand-cultivated films well-suited for our audience. Uh as with every review we give, our goal is to answer one simple question. How many drinks does it take to get through the film? Or in this case, a horror special we've just watched. Uh, now, at the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie or series based on a scale of zero to five. Zero being the perfect film that you can watch a Stone Cold Sober. And five being the sort of film that makes you want to rise from the dead as a result of a bolt of lightning and the mad desire of a crazed scientist. That's really good, Sean. Fuck with, it, that, good. with that, what movie do we have uh, creeping into our 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 countdown, our catalog this evening. Brandon. Well, this evening, uh, not tonight, but this uh, evening, it seems just more refined. Yes, right? yes, oh, good, is, Ed. That's more good. refined yes, than yes, yes, It's so much more refined. Yes, All right. Yes, well, this evening we have the ultimate classic horror film, and I would say it's one of the most iconic films just in the history of cinema, and that is. Frankenstein. This film finds Dr. Frankenstein daring to tamper with life and death by creating a human monster out of lifeless body parts of eight different men. The universal classic film stars the incomparable Boris Karloff, Colin Clive, and May Clark. Frankenstein has an IMDb rating of 7.8 with a critic score of, wait for it, 100 motherfucking percent. One fucking hundred. (laughs) 
and an audience <laughs> wow. score of wow. 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, is basically saying that we should not be talking shit on this movie. So let's talk some shit on this movie. Yes. Okay, so you say eight parts. Did I miss that? Did I fucking yeah, not see eight, that in the movie? Yeah. Eight parts? Well, he's got to get big. He's got to be it big. Was, it was... It was the it was eight different um it was eight different men that Frankenstein was built out of. Yeah, it's Frankenstein's so, uh, monster. Brandon, goddammit. it! You like um, <sighs> yeah. So let me ask you something. You're a, a literature buff. Yes. You teach literature here and yes. everything like that. Um, was this kind of like supposed to be like the book, or did it just go on its own thing here? So you know, I'm going to go on my rant real quick, and then Sean, you can definitely uh fill me it. You know, come in afterwards, but. Basically, uh, this is a tough one because Frankenstein, the book by Mary Shelley, is one of the most important and, and uh, most important film or books in ah. my reading life. Uh, it's one of the few books that, uh, along with Bram Stoker's Dracula, made me absolutely love reading and love writing and want to tell stories and want to you know live my life based around storytelling. Um, so what I'm saying is this book and this story itself means a shitload to me. No, Jer. This is as far removed from the actual book itself as you can actually get um, to the point where they just start mixing different characters' names. We've got Henry Frankenstein, which is just an amalgamation of Henry Clerval and Victor Frankenstein, and they changed it because Victor was too scary sounding, uh, even though, God damn it, are we supposed to like the goddamn doctor? No, we aren't. So we we got a whole change here, and what I think is important, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask myself and ask you guys to keep me uh, honest about this, is to separate the book, which to me would be a zero drink book, uh, from the movie itself, because what we have well, is I it's mean, inspired. Great Gatsby by. was a zero drink book for fuck's sake, yeah. Oh, very true. But at the same time, Baz Luhrmann tried <laughs> to keep the story. He kept the you know what Daisy Buchanan was still Daisy Buchanan. But there was there was. There was never any. There was never any. There was never any connection between the book and the movie. So just, just get, get, get that out of your head. You I'm going to have not, to. You can yes. absolutely not, not connect the two in any way. This movie no. was focused on three main questions. Number one was, could we bring Frankenstein to life in 1931? Could we actually create a creature that audiences would be terrified of in 19 fucking 31? You got to get that through your mind. 1931, a long goddamn time ago, okay? Number two, the question, (laughs) think about what was happening in 1931. You had all this stuff going on with World War I. You have all this stuff going on with, you know, the beginning, the the whispers of World War II. You've got all of these these things going on. And the Great Depression, too. And the Great Depression. The Great Depression. And what the question that you have to ask yourself is how far should mankind go? Not how far can they go, but how far should they go? The third thing you have to ask your question about this movie is – in a hundred, well, an hour and an hour and not very long. Ten minutes. Hour and, hour and hour nine, ten, minutes. Nine, nine minutes. Did they tell a story that was compelling and that made you just feel sorry for the monster? Because so, that's really yeah. what this was about: was a creature brought into this world who didn't ask to be brought into this world, and and is is he sympathetic? And do you feel bad for him? So that I think the that question. there's a fourth. There's a fourth question too that I think is really important because. I mean, I know we're not comparing the book and the movie, but one of the central parts and questions of the book is 
what really creates evil? Is it is it nature or is it nurture? Right? It's that old sociological, psychological oh, question. Just, yes, nature yes. or or nurture. Does the monster? And I know we need to get into this, but you know the the big kind of go to is that uh, Fritz grabs the wrong brain because he drops the good brain and he takes the abnormal brain. No, no, right? That's a different movie. That's right. abnormal. Abnormal. Right. That's abnormal. Movie. But, that's but a different the, movie. Abby normal. But the question, <laughs> the question <laughs> is Fritz dropped the brain. Yeah, he dropped the, love the, about the normal brain. The good brain, right. So he grabs the abnormal one. Yeah. So my question though, and I think that this movie and the book <laughs> itself are asking <laughs> the same goddamn question. Sean, you're ruining this for me. Is does Sorry. does the abnormal brain create the monster or was the monster created because of the way that he was treated by everybody around him? I think that's the central question of the book. Yes. It's the central question of the movie. Jeremiah, you had something. No, I was just going to like, you know, talk about the film itself because, you know, the, we all know that the book is not the film. You know, I haven't read that book since I was in fucking eighth grade and shit like that. So I don't I, what I know about this is that. It was the makeup artist that actually created the the monster design, the iconic monster design, you know, and it kind of actually just built from that. And I think the directing style of this film, I'm just going to say, you know, I think the visuals had this unusual, like dark Gothic vibe. And it was really fucking great to see kind of like the laboratory in this fucking movie. Like it's iconic, man. Like. I was like, oh shit. Imagine seeing this shit in 1931 and like totally fucking with your mind in this, man. Like, I was just thinking about that during this whole fucking movie. I was like, shit, this is kind of like a trip. What do you think, Eddie? Also, uh, so I really enjoyed this fucking movie and I never seen this movie before. I was really happy with everything that I watched. A uh, side note for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, it's, I think it's on Peacock, right? Yeah, Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. So also, I, I did not know this. So this is a side note. Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. So, yes. <laughs> don't make a mistake around monsters. Somebody told me that, uh, like, hey, uh, best part about this movie, Frankenstein is not the monster. I was like, holy shit, I didn't know that. That's something new. And, well, afterwards, and, and I, I would argue, actually, Eddie, the Frankenstein is the monster. Well, uh, he's another, he's a part of Frankenstein. The doctor, he made, he's his, not the he made his image. Yeah, he made, he's not the creation. That is true. Yes. So let's 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 let's. He let's, made let's he made the off. monster in his image. Let's bounce yeah. off where Eddie is going, and let's talk about uh, and Jeremiah. Let's talk about the cinematography, the freaking color is the colors, the black and white, which is already hard because you're in a black and white movie. And and we just did a Werewolf by Night a couple of uh, a couple of movies ago, ago or a couple of, of episodes ago, and and I will tell you right now. Black and white's come a long way since 1931. Yes, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the this, rest, the restored quality of this film, oh, it was so smooth, beautiful man. It was so beautiful. I have it on Stunning. DVD, and it was so beautiful. So yeah, even though it's black and white, Sean, the opening sequence, the it, it was like you felt a different type of color than yeah. seeing black and white. That's the vibe I got. It, like it, it felt, it was so rich, right? It was yeah. so fucking rich. The scenes were rich. The textures were rich. It was it so also different. Dirty. It also felt dirty in a way. And I'm trying right. to like explain that. Like it just felt like this, this gothic, sickness. Yeah. yeah. This gothic vibe to it. Like, I'm like, fuck, how are you able to fucking do this? And didn't they do a movie about the guy that created called gods and monsters? Is that basically the director of Frankenstein? I believe so. Uh, with, uh, yeah. with Ian, Ian, Ian McKellen and uh, Brendan Fraser? Yes. And I, I, I will say, by the way, uh, of the Frankenstein movies, I think this is 
iconic and wonderful and great. Bride of Frankenstein, if you ever get if you ever really get the stomach to watch it, is fabulous. It really is is fantastic. And, Why the uh, stomach? And fun fact, uh, son of son, son of Frankenstein. Go ahead. Really good too. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that's no, where we really get Igor too, from. But, but that's where we get Frankenstein. Frankenstein. There's a sign. Yeah. There's a the, the, the sign. And that's where Igor is from. Fuck. Yeah, the, the, sto- the stomach. I would say Eddie is that <laughs> it takes that. a constitution to watch these old movies. It you have to abandon uh, yeah. your preconceived notions of what a movie is supposed to be to sit down and watch a Treasure of Sierra Madre, a Casablanca, a Frankenstein. You have to throw all your inhibitions out the window and you just got to sit down. It sounds like you did and say, fuck it. I'm going to actually enjoy this movie for what it is. And I'm not going to get hung up on the fact that number one, it was made a hundred fucking years ago. Number two, <laughs> number two really? Very uh, close. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's like, I mean, these we're, we're approaching in a time where it's easy to make fun of it's alive, right? I mean, that's an iconic line. But Dude, if you watch this movie, scene was dope. It was fucking it was incredible. I mean, it, you felt the passion and the and the wonder. And Jeremiah, his lab. Tell me that his lab wasn't just the coolest fucking set you've ever yeah, seen. Well, I mean, it was. We just were talking so about. Cool. We were talking about like you know, are we gonna do Wolfman or Dracula and Frankenstein? And I remember <clears> like you know, saying Frankenstein and a little bit of it, you know, and just like. It's a better production film. It's a way better pro- production film than Dracula. I haven't seen Wolfman in a very long time. Oh, I know so that's good. Brandon's favorite one out so of the like, Universal horror movies, but it's just it felt like a game changer. The way how Wizard of Oz was a game changer with like you know the technical color type of a film and whatnot, and mm-hmm. brought like a whole different universe to the public. And that's what I feel like when I was watching Frankenstein. I was like, fuck. I'm like, <laughs> why did it take me such a long time to actually really sit down and watch this fucking movie? You know, and I love horror movies, and that's still crazy. And I will say from from just a impact, like a, a film impact role, you know, the MCU just has built movie after movie after movie and created yeah. a universe. This fucking contributed to one of the OG universes, which is the horror classic universal, you know, uh, uh, universe. With Tom Cruise. Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, no. Uh, Wolfman, <laughs> uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> You had you had nine or, or ten seminal movies that were of the same caliber and quality that really fit into a universe that was brilliant, and I think that that uh, that is a real it's a real flint starter. It's the beginning of all other franchises and 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 you know uh, linked movies without being sequels. <clears throat> Can I ask you guys a question here? Are you a Bella Lugosi fan or are you a Boris fan? Oh, Boris, well, one thousand percent. Very different. No, but but Boris, I think, carries himself in all of his different roles in a much less showy way, where Bella Lugosi is a much more showy actor. That is absolutely correct. Uh, Be- Bella Lugosi was. Dracula, for those who don't know, but he was also in a vastly different role. Frankenstein required a a temperament of anger and sympathy. And I think that what, what this movie did successfully, especially, I mean, we haven't really gotten into scene by scene, but I mean, the scene where he meets the girl and, and, and he goes through this, you know, oh, that shit was uh, hardcore, yo. That was probably one of the greatest cinematic scenes up into this point in movie history. Yeah. To see a monster created by Dr. Frankenstein who didn't want to be alive, find 
innocence and and recognize innocence in in a it was just it was a beautiful scene it was a fucking beautiful scene i'm sorry that's tragic that's the whole so thing so about many this movie. parts of that yeah it, it, yeah it's ahead, very, very tragic i was there's that part right there i mean we're i'm skipping a little bit more but i feel like it was leading up to like he was very you know like he he didn't I almost felt like when he was he first came about, there was nothing wrong with him until they uh, Fritz like until like just at first Frankenstein was like he's alive he's alive and he was treating him really good he was letting him walk around the the laboratory and he everything was fine or like he hasn't learned yet his brain and all of a sudden it flipped where uh, his you know Igor or Fritz was something happened where all of a sudden now he has to be chained up. Because he didn't of the fire. Meet expect, he didn't meet expectations. And yeah. this is, I think, the core of the movie is that when Frankenstein created the monster, he expected to create a human. And what he got was a fallen being that was below expectations. And if you go back biblically, it's the same concept. God created Adam, and from Adam's middle, his rib, he created Eve, and both Adam and Eve created the original sin in eating the apple and disappointed God, but was was fallen. The same concept. It, it You have these themes that are so relevant and prevalent in movies. Uh, what, it's nothing different than a father being disappointed in his child for not meeting the expectations of the father. I so think the it? only Go ahead. Yeah. Gemma. I think no, I think the only problem with the film that I have is just because it's, you know, from the 1930s and so it, it's not going to focus on that. It's going to be just let's get to this point, let's get this point and then make it make and yeah, make everything one it's happy subtle. or not. Yeah, it's very you know? subtle. Yeah. You know, like it, it never it never really focused on the darkness of it where like, you know, the rest of guilt of playing God and and breaking the laws of nature and everything like that. And uh, I know this is just being selfish. I, I being selfish about this. I just wish I would have got a little more into that. And maybe I don't get that in that movie. Maybe I have to read the fucking book to get that fucking. Yeah. You know. You, you're absolutely right, and and Brand, I'll let you go in a second, but uh, not that I have the power. Excuse me, but uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, you're, you're right. You're you no, no, but but you want you want a little bit more of the subtext, and you don't get. That's what's brilliant about the book, and that I can tell you right now is what Brandon struggled with. Is the book struggles audibly with that question, mm-hmm. with conversations, and with beautiful, uh, beautiful dialogue, and. The movie does not. It just does not give you that. Yeah. It just it, just, it denies you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they're like talking about a wedding. I'm like, wait, what the fuck just happened right here? Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> Where the we, movie gets here, but, extremely yeah. quick. I think that if they had added yeah. on, which they couldn't have done because of just uh, cost production, but um, or production costs, but if they had added on 25 minutes, I think it would have been great. No, one thing though, I think that that kind of helps. Um, and to me, it, it changed my entire opinion about the entire film is the very end when we hear Boris Karloff or the monster screams as the fire gets him. I mean, that to me, that, that takes it to another level of, of realism that I don't think that we've gotten throughout the rest of the film. And that, I mean, that his screams alone were, you know, we use this word Oscar worthy to me, those were Oscar worthy because I felt his pain. I felt his devastation. I felt his frustration and I felt his hurt. Right. Um, and I think that that, that was just, to me, it was absolute brilliance on acting, directing, and just production. Ed, you get the idea also that the whole scene, the whole, the whole movie of uh, the monsters, like he's a, he's a child stuck in an adult's body. 
right? And he has, and he has these little outbursts, right? And it's just like, and then he, then he realized he has power. Uh, and then, so, I mean, you know, they're whipping them, uh, Fritz in the, in the dungeon. And that was so depressing that and sad. That fucker deserves to, to burn this, in like, hell. That fucking guy deserved what he got, man. Bro, not to make yeah. it, not to make it political or ideological, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But you can see a society that is unwilling to accept anything that is different, and you can see, you know, in this movie, you can see civil rights, you can see women's suffrage, you can see gay rights, you can see all the different struggling segments of the community who has had to overcome the prejudice that the the society had against the monster, you know, uh, you can see the overcoming. And I think that is a a resonating theme in the movie. I do think it's a powerful theme. Yeah. So Sean, I think that just to kind of talk on that, I think that that's such a good point to make. And one of the things that I noticed is that if you compare, and I know I'm just doing a lot of comparing between book and movie, but if you compare the book and movie, where the book, the the turmoil, it's it's all about the inner turmoil that that Frankenstein the doctor has, mm-hmm. and then also we get the the monster learns how to talk and becomes this eloquent, beautiful speaker, and we get his inner turmoil. Right? It's all about the internal in the book, and it's all about how we feel segregated from society and how we also segregate ourselves from society. Whereas to me, and I think this is an interesting choice, is that the frustrations become very, very public, right? That, that it's the societal. Doctor, it's societal. societal. Yeah. It is. And I think that that's kind of talking about what you're talking about is these groups who feel pushed away, but on a public level, as opposed to a personal level. And that's something that we get right. Dr. Frankenstein is very public about what happened. He's not trying to hide it from people like he is in the book. He's very, very clear that this is what happened. Hell, there's other people there to witness the birth of the monster which in the book didn't happen. I think that that's a, it's a brilliant change because what it does is it puts the focus, the political, the social, the, the cultural focus off of the individual and onto the bigger public whole. And how society is reacting to this new introduction of, yeah. of something that's different. And, and we've seen it's something that actually, you know, people have, I would say the general public has not necessarily felt the internal turmoil of Dr. Frankenstein mm-hmm. and the, the the battle between good and evil and the creation of life and all that. But I'm certain that a hundred percent of people have felt the ostracization, ostracization, yeah, somewhere in there. There's a word somewhere in there of, uh, of, of society, of you not fitting in, of you being apart from the norm or a different group. I mean, yeah. just as simple as us being, you know, coll- coll- collegiate athletes uh, and Jeremy not being a coll- collegiate athlete. Sorry to call you out, Jeremy, but you feel an ostracization, <laughs> ostracization, ostracization from our yeah. clique, from ostracization from yeah. our group when we go off and talk about co- you know college stuff you feel ostracized from our group so it's i think that this movie touches on something that is so common and so personal to so many people that that's why it's magnificent that's why this movie is magnificent and that's why it, it, it abandoned the book but yeah. the thing is is that you got to really focus on Karloff's fucking performance in this movie. Yes. I mean, when you think about it, it's just like he's not using any words and whatnot. You're looking at body language, you're looking at theater. You're almost looking like the at the birth of Annie Circus, you know, in a way where he's yeah. just like <laughs> I mean, he's using his whole body as a uh, a sympathy tragic misunderstood. He's he's able to show the body and like the strength and like the innocence of a child and you get this as one performance in a 1930 fucking film 
you couldn't even get some of the best actors today to do what he just what he was able to actually you know to do back then and they're so hidden today by special effects and by and that's what i loved about werewolf by night is that you actually had practical effects you had practical makeup on on uh, D, uh no it wasn't diego luna what was <laughs> G- 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 garcia garcia Bernal. anyway yeah. great sorry andor sorry sorry andor <laughs> which i've been watching it's fantastic yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> my You're point right. is this um boris karloff used his makeup to create a character as opposed to a lot of the new movies that rely on 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 special effects and they don't have the same connection with you know, a perfect example would be the new the new mummy with Tom Cruise. You didn't have the same you didn't have the same connection with the villain or the character that you did in these old 1930s and 40s films. You just don't. To me, this is another point that I, I caught. Um, and I notice this mainly when when they have their little tussle, right? When they're fighting, uh, mainly Dr. Frankenstein and the monster. But there's such a, a clear sense of stage acting and stage uh, action and stage fighting that it was, you know, you could see that this is a 1931 film where literally the camera was set there in a stationary mode and just literally recorded so, like a stage production. Um, and I think that that's something that that really kind of comes through with the with the acting, with the the you know, you're talking about kind of stripping bare what these characters are and what these actors can do, because literally it's just them standing there on a set performing. And I think it's that that's so something hard. that we've lost you, now. I mean, oh. yeah, yeah. So I was just, just to build off more, a little bit of what Brandon was saying with how the camera's stationary at times, like at first I knew that. And then at times I forgot, like, I really forgot like that. It was almost a 1931 film. I was in it. Like it makes you forget like this movie, it, it, it was able to grab you in and it, it holds a lot of value to say that because, I mean, how many books became movies at this time at 1931, right? Like it hasn't, it wasn't done very often. Like movies just started in good. So 1931, it, it was became a movie, but it was a book before then, right? Mm-hmm. So it was made you think like how often, how, how many times is that done before this movie? Like there's a handful of fucking times it has to be. It's not more than that. So this made it like this for, for this to happen like that time of age. It just was it was mind blowing to think like to, the idea of putting this on film. And I want to talk about if you if you guys want to, but like how he created this lab and he was able to, you know, the Dr. Frankenstein. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Like he he woke up the, the monster and he did the brain like he was a, he was a scientist and he was there to prove a point. But like how it comes down and he, he timed it perfectly with the with the, you know, the weather and everything like and, and uh, I, it's just, it was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed the, the laboratory and how, Frank, how the monster came about with waking up. Like yeah. it was it was like birth. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. right. I, I'm just going to I'm going to just say this, like next to like Wizard of, the, Wizard of Oz and maybe even Snow White. That this is probably one of the most like important films like that changed the way how we actually look on, on just just pictures cinema uh, moving forward in the in the 20th century. Like yeah. this movie did something and just fucking out of just just what they had to do and what they were able to do is on another level. And it's just like watching this and I'm just like, fuck, it's almost like you're getting an introduction of like cinema. 
and almost more of appreciation. Similar to Nightmare on Elm Street. You are looking, yeah, you know. Do you, do you feel like, <laughs> fuck you feel like yeah, come on. Do you feel like you're cheating, though? Do you feel like this was, uh, here's what I feel like. This was the cheat sheet that movies were, were built on and that we weren't actually supposed to see this. This was something that, like, should have been hidden away and locked away. And we get to see this magnificent oh. movie yeah. in 19, from 1931 because <laughs> – Let's not pretend that all movies from the 30s and 40s were good. They were schlock. <laughs> they were terrible. But to see this this magnificence come to the to come to the to the top of the heap, and it's a horror movie. It's fucking Frankenstein. It's not you know uh, uh, you know you, if you look at the movies that, that followed it, right? You've got the Ten Commandments, and you've got you know uh, uh, the one with what was the one with um, the, the T and I Ben or Hur. Or no, the Ben Hur, and you've got these great biblical epics, right? Yeah, and they they they, they kind of took over in the 1950s and 60s. This <laughs> thing is just hanging out and they're like hey we're gonna give you frankenstein best we can do is frankenstein <laughs> but, the, but the reality is it's not about the horror right yeah but you got to think about like all like even just the horror genre you got to think of hitchcock you got to think of a kubrick yeah. you got to think of like everyone looking at this and go hey shit that's that is something i guarantee you Changed their life when they saw that and like I can do this. I want to fucking make my fucking monster movie. I mean, let's I, not that, pretend you know? that Michael Gugino, the movie that we just watched for for fucking a couple weeks ago, Werewolf by, by Night. Night, was. I mean, look at the opening fucking scene of that of yeah. that special. Yeah, well, it's like, oh fuck, I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I think it's cool to see. I think movies are going to start doing this again because Werewolf by Night did it perfect. But there's something to be said to go. Let's just go back to the base hits again with some of these movies with the the draft hits and the let's use angles and natural shadow and just let's just try to keep it more simple. This is Even what the I'm anticipation. Trying to get you the, guys. An, the no, the right. anticipation when you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. The part like you know, like oh my god, I can't wait to see the monster. Oh my god, they're really going to bring someone back to life. Can they really bring someone back to life? Right. You know. It really fucking does that to you. You're just like, oh shit, because you barely saw him. Nightmare about Elm Street. You saw too much of Freddy, and it, I, I got tired of it. So like Same the monster here, I, I I barely saw him, but I was so like like I, I want to see him. I want to see him. Hey Eddie, him. I'm your new boyfriend. Yeah. But, but let me let me let me just say this, and I know that my Nasty. my old movie choices have rarely been you know the best episodes. On three and a half gentlemen from a, a a viewership standpoint, but I think that it's important for our in season four as we go forward. I think we need to look at movies like Casablanca, He's like putting it on um, film. Right now, I am. I'm going to do it. I, I think we need to we'll look at movies like Lawrence of Arabia. I think we need to look at movies like um, uh, Citizen Kane because these movies are the the foundation or the backbone of modern film, and I think that nobody. I think that most people are afraid to watch them because they're boring, quote unquote boring. Quote unquote but if boring, you just yeah. step aside, yeah, get get rid of your preconception and you just embrace yourself in the time frame of the movie. These movies are magic. There's something there. There's something there that awakens the soul. Uh, well, it really I, is. I, I, but sorry. Sean, that's that's exactly what I say to you with the uh, the new movies that we have today. I'm like, hey, listen, Sean, just there's nothing good about that. <laughs> Break it in here, man. Don't worry. No, there's a few little magic here, Sean. Trust me here, okay? And it's got like all these like, you know, visuals and the CGI. It's great, Sean. Trust me. 
All right. So, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll put my arrogance yeah. aside and watch those two. No, I mean, it, but, but it's, it's true. Like I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not secretive about the fact that I'm not a huge old cinema fan. I, I like new cinema. I like what new cinema can do at the same time. You got films like Citizen Kane, which granted is a long slog of a movie, but God damn it. It is brilliant. Uh, you've got Casablanca, which Sean, I know that you and I agree that it, it is one of the greatest oh. films ever. But I know uh, Jeremy. To me, it's yeah, the best movie ever made. Yeah, but. yeah. And, and Jeremy, I know that you've mentioned this one a couple times today, but it's so necessary to mention the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz is not just a throwaway film that is just a movie to watch. It is, I, I would argue, one of, if not the most important films ever made because it yeah. showed what film literally can do. It's that transitional period, and I think that if you have, you, we have these seminal films that we need to kind of like point attention to. Uh, and I think that one of the most important ones, if we go all the way back, we have Nosferatu, which surprisingly is a horror film. Then I think we need to look at it and say Frankenstein is the next kind of swing up towards uh, transitioning what film can do. Then I think you go a little bit further and you go into The Wizard of Oz. And then I think you go a little bit further and you go into Godfather. The Godfather. I think that you go a little bit further and you go into Jaws. I think you go a little bit further and you keep you, we can keep going. We can look at the most important films. But God damn it, Frankenstein uh, and, and The Wizard of Oz to me are two of the most important films ever. And, and I think that there's something really relevant that that we see still trickling through the films that we watch today, whether it be Marvel Cinematic Universes or, you know, hardcore dramas, which I love. Oh, well, yeah. It's the blueprint from it, too, man. I mean, the Universal Horror Movies is almost kind of like the blueprint of what MCU is doing with all these, like, comic book movies, you know? Like, you know, some of them are great. Some of them are fucking And you bring them shit. together some with an Abbott and Costello. Like, okay, like, well, Sean I'm going to watch the next one. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> Abbott and Costello. Who? Wait, wait. You laugh. Who has fucking watched that movie? Abbott and Costello. No, 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 no. I'm, oh, okay, I'm so saying. one fucking person. This no, movie is, is fucking great. It's great. Wait, time out, time out. Listen, we're on your side. <laughs> My mom and also like you know we used to watch the uh, the the East Side Kids, the Dead End Kids, the Bowery Boys, and shit like that. And they always had like Bella Lugosi, like you know, like chasing them and shit like that. We fucking love watching that shit. When oh, we were young, it. Yes. Dude. so fucking classic. I, I'm, I'm gonna just pick up where Brandon was saying. Uh, these movies have built cinema, and there's something. You know, they say the magic in the movies. There is something magical about the movies. You can you you can yes. disregard it. You can you know you can say it's not there, but it is. There is a spark of of magic, and this movie specifically, Frankenstein, brings you back to a time where they didn't have a lot of money, they didn't have a lot of uh, writing, and they didn't you didn't have the best of the best. You know, sitting out there, you didn't have the you know, the Steven Spielbergs, it was lightning in a bottle and they captured it and they got it on film and it's just fucking magical. I'm actually actually say that I disagree with you on that because I think that regarding to this, what happened here, I think they had the best writer and I think they had the best production for what they had at that time. I mean, come on, that set production, that whole thing that you see regarding to like, you know, the, the laboratory. It's fucking unbelievable what they were able to do. We're going to like, hey, they just they just put it there. There was no blueprint on what what a laboratory looked like, you know, and that was it right there. So I think you know the 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 style, the production, the gothic vibe. I think that this film just speaks on its own, man. I honestly fucking believe that, dude. Oh, uh, so did you guys feel the fire also when? Or, I mean, there's just these oh, little yeah. scenes. Stunts were fucking hardcore. Weren't they yeah. getting burned? That's like, what I was thinking. The same thing. 
I was thinking like I was thinking like Korloff, like fuck, yo, you're gonna get fucking burned. <laughs> the fire literally just fucking burned you right there. I forgot that it was like, black and white. I was like, is this? Do they have the fire like a little bit like yellow in here and red? Like it made me think like, oh wow, like I, it was it was beautifully done. Like I really thought he was. It was it just the stunts were amazing. Okay, the, just just time. one thing. There's no way that the doctor can be able to survive that fucking. No, fall. he died. He saying, had yo. to have died. There's <laughs> like what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah, but he, he, he is resting up. He might dude. not make it. It might be internal bleeding. We're, we're not sure. But I mean, look he at the is. line. I mean, look, uh, you said it really well with the writer. But the the line, you know, everyone says he's alive. He's alive. the The line that that comes after that is now I know what it's like to be God. Yeah. Think about the audacity to ask that question in 1931. I mean, just I mean, you're cutting edge, man. You're cutting edge. I mean, it, it, I'm not gonna, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, dude. I, 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 as I was watching this, I was really enjoying the shit out of it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I'm going to watch Young Frankenstein after this now because I fucking miss my fucking Gene Wilder. Well, the Monster Squad. Yeah, uh, Gene Wilder was so fucking. I mean that. You, you, you can't. Uh, I mean, Jer- Jeremiah would say, "I wish I had watched that movie earlier off mic." And I was like, "You know what? There is nothing more magical than Frankenstein, unless you're watching Young Frankenstein. That shit is so good." Cloris <laughs> Leachman, uh, it was so fucking funny. It was so great. <laughs> what was it? What's the girl's name? <laughs> Fra, uh, Fra Bruja. Fra Bruja. Fra Bruja. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I never yeah, watched that you. movie. I want to watch that movie. Oh, oh man, it's great! You gotta watch it. Great. Yeah. That brings us to the end of review. Now it's time in the podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale. Eddie, can you provide the scale, please? Arr. Yes. Uh, zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. Uh, one, a filled your first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, an Uber lifting home. Four, rough morning walk to shame. Five blacked out shit face spring break drunk. Uh gentlemen, let's give start. it to Sean. Yeah. Okay. He All right. Call you out, I mean, I, I I've been I've been called a whore on this uh program before and yes. tonight is no different. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> um I'm just telling you, I, I think this is a zero. I think this is this is the most incredible film. From 1931, you're going to possibly get. I think that it set a standard for movies that is still around today. It's almost 100 years old. It's magnificent. It's watchable. The sets are magnificent. The acting is great. Um, the story is fabulous. I really think this movie is a, a pinnacle of movie. It is the Godfather. It is Star Wars. It is everything that a zero movie should be. I know it's old. I know it has flaws uh, that are brought about by time. But if you look at this in, a, in under a microscope in the moment, it is it is Citizen Kane. It is the it is part of the pantheon of great greatest movies ever made. There is a reason this motherfucker has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes uh, uh, critic score because when you look at it, even a hundred, you know, even ninety years later, eighty years later, this fucking movie picks up the same themes that we're dealing with today, the same societal problems we're dealing with today, and it it shows it in a way that people can understand and osmote. They can they can bring it into their soul and they can actually learn something. And I think that is not common in movies. I think this is an uncommon gem from 1931. And I am happy uh, to honor my grandfather by saying this motherfucker is a zero. Nice job, Ed. 
Ed, go to you. Brandon, go ahead. You. No, I'm going you, in. You whore. You. Zero. Movie you movie whore. I was zero. God. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, uh, piggyback off of Sean, this movie, I was very, very surprised. I was very, very, I mean, I, I loved it. Like, I definitely want to watch this movie again. I will definitely show this to my kids once they get a little older. Uh, and uh, I'm happy I saw this movie. I'm happy this movie made the list after watching this. It was for me. It was really easy to watch. It was very. Uh, it moved quite well. We said, "Oh, maybe like another thirty minutes, another twenty minutes." I think it was. I enjoyed it being a hundred. Uh, like only what an hour tops. Oh, yeah. Like a little bit yeah, over an hour. It was over an hour. So like, I, I very easy movie to watch. Um, it, it seriously, it's ninety two freaking years old. Like, like that's crazy to think. And so many movies, I just laughed at times. I was like, oh, this is where uh, Nightmare Before Christmas stole, like, their whole movie from. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, here's Monster Squad also. Well, we didn't Everyone fucking talk about the music. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so there's so much. It's like every movie, I, should, I, I thought about, like, thousands of movies just watching this movie. It's like, yep, this is the beginning of cinema, practically, for me. Uh, so it, it was – I couldn't – just, I was in awe of the movie at this stage of the uh, 1931. I was like, this is pretty freaking amazing. Times, I mean, does it hold up 100%? What, what are you going to get? It's 1931. Like, it, I wasn't expecting that. So uh, there's the story plot with, like, I wish I would have got more with the build of Frankenstein. Like, he was just, I, w- I, I do wish that, like, they, I could see maybe, like, how they got the hand and then the, the body and the, the, the let's put the, the head in. I wish there was more that scene. Like, I, all of a sudden, he was just there and, like, okay, there's, I just ate parts of him there. I, w- I wanted to see more of how they stole bodies. I only saw one and then you saw the brain. Uh, and it, it just jumped around a little bit in the very beginning. Uh, and all of a sudden, Frankenstein's, uh, monster is alive. It's alive. So that's the only downfall of this is I wanted to see how he built the monster. Um, right. Personally, I'm giving this, if this is below uh, a one movie. So I'm giving this a 0.75. Holy shit. I enjoyed it. I, I, I would watch it again. Jeremiah ruin our scores. No, Brandon, you want to go? <laughs> no, no J- Jared can go. Jared For can Jeremiah, there's ain't no one. <laughs> Who's up first? We're going to give Jeremiah. I want, I want Jeremiah Third to go. Base. All right, here we go. No, 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 no. Seriously, like guys, like um, this movie was a very much a surprise for me because I didn't expect it to be. Um, I didn't expect it much to have an impact on, on just just watching it after after I got done with it. You know, I was just like, fuck. You know, it felt different. It felt like it felt like seeing a painting for the first time, but not really seeing it. Does that make sense, guys? Like, yeah, it just that's, good. Yeah. that's how I felt when I was watching this. Um. I think the gothic vibe to it is just on another level. I think Boris, um, I think what he was able to do was just fucking phenomenal regarding to portraying not just a monster, but just the body language that he was able to use. It's just the way how he was able to express himself and then just the way how he was able just to hold the picture on itself. It's just, it's, you don't see that in today's film. That's what I'm trying to say. I just wish that there was a little more about the whole like the man versus nature type of vibe and everything like that, which you got and, and it was fucking great. But there was a little part of it where I wanted more out of that story and, and everything like that. But other than that, I think this monster film, I think it paid the way for everything that you like about horror films. It makes you think about everything that, you know, the things that you're not supposed to think or the things that make you want to fucking dive deeper and regarding to 
what makes monsters in humans and humans and monsters and things like that, dude. Um, the only problem I had was just the ending, the campy ending and everything like that. Like, it's just like everyone's going on a wedding and everyone's laughing and everything like that. That was just the only part. It just didn't land it on that part. But other than that, it's one of the most near perfect films I've ever seen. And so with that, this is a 0.75 for me as well. I think it's fucking great, guys. Nicely done. Uh, So, no, Ed, to answer your question, there's about a half a page dedicated to him building the monster um, in the book, and that's it. And, and you know, that's one of the most uh, frustrating things, I think, for a lot of readers. So going off of that, um, it is really frustrating because I wish that I had seen this movie without, number one, having read the book, and number two, having read the book probably about seven times at this point and and love it with a a passion that, you know, um, is reserved for special things in your life. Um, And the reason isn't so much that I think that – Mary Shelley's story is perfect, which I think it pretty much is. Um, But because what Mary Shelley does in her book is she explores human nature at its most base level. Um, And what she did is she created in her book one of, if not the most fascinating characters in the history of stories. And I'm talking about, I'm going all the way back to biblical times, all the way up to anything published nowadays. And that's with the actual monster, the demon, as it's called in the book. And what we get with that is this this study of human rejection and the way that we care and the way that we love and the way that we desire uh, inclusion and what happens when you're excluded. I mean, to me, that is such a, an amazing thing. The fact that this movie calls itself Frankenstein and it's, you know, in the titles, it's based on the, the novel by Mrs. Percy B. Shelley, um, to me it yeah. missed it missed one of the most essential parts of the novel and i understand it's not the book it's the movie um and so that's the reason that's my that's my justification for why it's not a zero because to me it missed a major uh, point that that would have made this and I'm, I'm saying this with all honesty if they had the ability and this is where that extra 20 minutes would have come in ed is if they had explored the monster not even gone the, the same lengths that mary shelley did with him becoming this really learned person but if they explored this idea of rejection and this idea of exclusion and wanting to be included right if they had taken that scene with maria by the water and they had expanded that into another two scenes if they had included the uh the old fam the old man in the family um of any kind in in the movie which if you've read the book then you know that's a central central part so if they had done that then i'm i'm going on a limb and saying this would have been the greatest film ever made hands down citizen kane couldn't have held a, a candle empire strikes back i love that movie couldn't have held a candle if they had gone if they had gone That's the extra yard almost. right um so from that i, I i'm gonna you know I, i'm gonna keep it to the idea that this is a 1931 film this is not the the book this is the film uh boris karloff was stunning he was brilliant he was perfect um the other actors they did what they needed to do to get this story across. Um, Victor Frankenstein, who's not Victor, it's Henry Frankenstein, could have been more deranged. Uh, but what I loved about this movie <coughs> is that it, it captured a feeling, and that feeling has been tried to be replicated over and over, and it's never been replicated like it has here. And so for that, that's a point two five for me. We're just we're just licking up um, a spilled sloppy uh, shot right there. So point two five, and and I. I will say, Brandon, um, one of the things that they did to remedy the movie and the book the, to reconcile the two is the play. I don't know if you've seen the, the play Frankenstein, but um, I've seen uh, – so 
there was it was Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch did they <laughs> went uh, every other forth, night yeah. one of them played Doctor Frankenstein yeah and um, I oh, saw that been I saw cool. a cut that of been that cool. and I'm t- it has what you are looking for it has the turmoil of the monster the turmoil of Doctor Frankenstein which I just I I think would have made this it would have made this Citizen Kane it would have made this right. the great you know and if they, Bride of Frankenstein you know, does it too a Bride of Frankenstein incorporates a lot right. of the elements that were not in this book in this movie but Correct. were in the book which is yeah which is why it's really combined it, <laughs> yeah combined it it would have been it would have been the greatest film ever it really would have but Brandon you said it right there too man like in you know, Empire Strikes Back I mean God you know isn't Darth Vader like the blueprint of Frankenstein when you think oh, about yeah. it oh yeah oh yeah. Sure. It's yeah. like fucking like it's just like such it's such a fucking like you know impactful fucking culture and whatnot. Oh, Jack Skeleton. But Jack you know, is on you know, what, what was that? What was that quote? Uh, I think it's King Kong. Uh, Twas beauty uh, killed the beast. Yeah. Well, this one is innocence killed the beast. Uh, like his innocence, like to life, like it just people weren't ready for him a little bit, right? I mean, that's, that's oh, okay. exactly correct. I wouldn't say it was innocence. I would say it's bigotry that killed the beast. It was, mm. it was something that it was societal. It was societal's unwill, society's unwillingness to accept the different that was his demise. That's absolutely mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it's. The- I like it. Okay, well, that gives us a score of a point. We didn't give it yet, guys. Oh, so that gives yeah. us a score. <laughs> that gives us a score of, of a, a point four three seven five. Uh, Damn. Jeremiah, on our list of movies that we reviewed, uh, it's got to be god dang near the top. What does point four three well, seven five? Empire Strikes Back should have been a zero, but uh, Eddie screwed that. No, one. it should have been. <laughs> no, no. No, well, I mean, we've had a we've had a bunch of co- close zeros. I mean, uh, uh, I remember doing. I want to say it was. Um, What's the zero Sound, we gave? Sound of Music things. was close to being at the top of the list. This movie slides in in the top five. It's number five in our. Uh, so what's better than what's better than Frankenstein? What's what's with it? Yeah, Empire Strikes Back is the number one. Mm-hmm. Feel the dreams. Yeah, Jurassic Park, Godfather, all tied in number two. Okay. Uh, actually, sorry. Forget that. This is the number three spot because it's four point three seven five. This is better than, yeah. So this is better than Parks being a wildfire, Dark Knight, uh, Santa Lot, and a Joker. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it, it is. Right <laughs> in the top three. Where, where's Halloween on that? Just wondering. Uh, Halloween's in the threes, Ed. In the threes. Uh, you just keep going. It's our number one list. It's our number one listening podcast. And, that's what it is. Point Very break. true. And that's point break is, is down there on the list. I think only Brian Cox is alive at this. The, Sean, the movie. There's there's not many. Uh, the older movies. This one that really got to me. I enjoyed it. So thank you, Sean. I, 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 you have to listen to it. Recommend definitely watching this movie. Yeah, yeah for sure. There you go, listeners. I mean that's that's not just me. It's not just me. Your uh, your old movie old movie fan talking about it. You gotta you know you get other people. All right. If you enjoyed our review or fan of the podcast, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening and leave us a five star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Instagram at the dot gentleman podcast. The dot means a lot. You can visit our website thegentlemanpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do so by email at hosts with an s h o s t s at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Um, Jeremiah, I believe there was something you wanted to give a little shout out to. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. This movie was such a um, kind of just an inspiration regarding to what we're going through in our personal life, especially for my brother and I. And um, our grandmother is pretty much, you know, if when this episode comes out, she'll probably will no longer be with us. Very heavily influenced regarding to 
the black and white films that she introduced to us in culture and everything like that. And she was a very strong person. And this episode is dedicated to Lita. And we, yeah, you Lupita, know, yep. Lupita, Lupita. She goes by many different names. Many different first names. <laughs> Lupita, Lita, Lupe. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, she will be missed. And we love her very much. And we're going to uh, cheers for her and have mm-hmm. a drink for her. And um, thank you, Sean, for everything you've done uh, off, off the mic. We are really grateful. And thank you for everything, dude. So and cheers, thank- guys. Love you, guys. Love you, friends. Cheers. Love you, Grandma. Cheers. 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 It's the best episode we've done. Hell of a lot better than Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street was, was surprisingly amazing.